We're going to talk about bread today. If you're a bread lover, you might find it distracting because uh, you might be hungry, you might be uh, not able to focus on the Word of God because you're focused on the, the bread that you see before you. My wife loves to both make and consume really good bread. I know we have some bakers in our church. Scott Collier said he made a loaf last night. He grinds his own uh, spelt. Is that what it's called? He, he like takes grains and hand cranks them and, and, and makes bread from, from scratch. And I'm not a huge fan of bread, honestly. I'm more of a kind of meat and potatoes kind of guy, but uh, I, I, I am still very distracted when Lynn Becker is making her focaccia uh, during worship, and it just wafts up from these vents while we're trying to, to worship and, and, and sing, and I can't focus because it's delicious. I, I think there's probably few things that are more satisfying, more simple than a warm slice of fresh baked bread with some good quality butter on it. You know, bread is the most basic and common of, of all foods. Every culture has, you know, their version of bread. There's tortillas, there's naan, there's pita, there's challah bread that you can get at the bakery around the corner here. And you also see this bread in front of you. This is a, the, the, the loaf on my right here is a rosemary and herbs de Provence loaf with potato flakes. It was made in store, a fresh bake this morning. It smells incredible. Uh, it's, it's got no GMOs. It's artisanal grains that were imported and, and then, like I said, freshly prepared here in the store in Green Hills. The three slices that you see next to the artisanal loaf, that loaf was about $5, by the way, uh, for a little loaf. Uh, the three slices on the left are enriched white bread from an off-brand that I've never even heard of called Good Dough. It was the cheapest bread at Kroger. It was 99 cents for a loaf pre-slice enriched white bread. I'm sure I didn't try it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of bread, like I said anyway. It does not smell delicious like the loaf on the right. And what I think you'll see today as we talk about two different kinds of bread is that one is vastly superior to the other. You're going to see Jesus make a distinction between the bread of life and the bread of survival. So let's read our text for this morning about these two different kinds of bread. Will you stand with me if you're able to out of honor of God's word and read John chapter 6 verses 27 through 59. Hear now the word of the Lord. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
So they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and you do, yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things at the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Taking some longer chunks of scripture. Thanks for standing and, and listening. This is uh, going to be an easier way to do it, I think, going through these big chunks. Uh, you know, I thought it was pretty crazy this weekend. How many of you went downtown for any of the festivities, any of the different, not many of you that are crazy enough to get out there. Some of you younger folks in the middle there uh, went down there and Ran the race. I know uh, Rebecca, some others uh, ran the, did you run the race too, Sue? Awesome. Well done. Congratulations to you guys. I heard it was just crazy. 30-something thousand people running the, the marathon yesterday. And, you know, the first day of the draft was Thursday and, you know, Airbnbs were at all-time high. Hotel occupancy was all sold out. And Taylor Swift, one of the <laughs> biggest pop stars uh, in the world, decided that would be a good time to come and promote her new song, Downtown Nashville. So, I had several friends and, and former youth, uh, my youth group that, you know, flocked down there for a glimpse of her. They saw on social media that she was going to be in the gulch sometime on Thursday, so they were there for hours just waiting to see Taylor Swift, and the crowds were out of control, of course, because of the draft and the concerts and the race and everything else that was going on. And 
Jesus kind of had something like this going on in chapter six here. There was a, a crowd that was following him from place to place throughout all Judea as his fame and as his reputation continued to grow as he performed these miracles and people sought him in droves. So last week on Easter Sunday, which by the way, what a fabulous day of worship it was last week. We had almost 500 people here. We had 493 uh, in worship, which is amazing. Uh, praise God. Yeah, God's been so faithful to our church and it's just amazing. We, we did not a typical Easter text last week. We read about how Jesus fed the crowd of 5,000 people with only five barley loaves, and which is more like the bread on, on my left here, very cheap bread. And we saw how these crowds had been coming after Jesus, not for who he was, but because of what he could do. They wanted to see the magic show. They wanted the free food. They wanted the, the, the sideshow of the wow factor. They didn't want the discipleship of chasing after him in a long obedience in the same direction. They were missing the point of who he actually was. The Gospel of John is, is concerned with, with revealing Jesus to be the unique, divine Son of God who came to earth, put on flesh in order to rescue us and make us right with himself and with God the Father and God the Spirit now and forever. So like many of us, these people were only concerned with the physical reality that was right in front of their face. They were concerned with the day-to-day -day logistics of how am I gonna survive? How am I gonna get through this next day, this next week, this next month? They were thinking and living solely on a physical, practical, earthly level. The, the point I was making and the point that I think Jesus makes in this whole chapter is that all this worldly stuff doesn't matter. It's not important in the end. Everything man-made is temporary. Think about that. Everything man-made is temporary. My small group, we were talking about how architects, Jeff was saying that architects think, oh, my legacy will live forever because I'm gonna build a building that I designed. A few hundred years, guess what? The way they're knocking stuff down in Nashville these days, it won't be there. It won't be there 50 years. It won't be there in 20 years. My kids will be, you know, 30 when those buildings are knocked down. It's crazy to, to think that everything man-made is temporary. Only the spiritual things last. Everything that we work so hard for, though, everything that we're spinning our wheels to attain, our home, our clothes, our cars, our stuff, even our families, even our, our status and reputation, all that stuff is man-made and it will not last. Look at verse 27. <clears throat> Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is trying to open our eyes to a deeper, truer, better reality than what we can simply see in front of our face. It's something that is better than the shallow things that we attempt to build our lives on that end up being shifting sand. And it's not something, this, this eternal food that he's talking about is not something that we can work for 
or achieve by any human effort and striving. It's not something that in all of our faculties and resources and ingenuity and hard work and effort, it's not something that we can attain to or achieve on our own. So then how do we get it? Look at verse 27. It tells us how to obtain the enduring food. It says the Son of Man will give it to you. This kind of eternal food must be received by grace through faith. It cannot be attained to, it cannot be earned, it cannot be accomplished. It's only received as a free gift of grace. The stuff that we worked so hard for perishes. Have you ever left a bag of groceries in the car? Or two bags or eight bags of groceries in the car? After a couple of hours, it's, you know, one of my, my favorite words I learned from a friend from Mississippi is runt. You know, you ever heard runt before? It's not, I thought it was like a little person. No, runt means what? Ruined. Yeah, it's ruined. It's spoiled. Yeah, spolt. It's runt, right? I, I, I thought I was from the South, but I didn't know that, that term. Earthly things that we try to obtain ruin. They perish. They spoil. They fade. Not so with the eternal food of Jesus. The crowd around him thinks like most of us, though. So they start hearing about this eternal food. They say, all right, what do we need to do? What can we do to attain this food? Tell us what to do, the works of God. Verse 28, what must we do to be doing? They're concerned with orthopraxy, but they're not thinking about orthodoxy, that our belief will lead to right action. Right belief, orthodoxy, leads to orthopraxy every time. So then Jesus answers them in verse 29, this is the work of God that you just believe in him whom he sent to you. That's the work of God. You want to do what God does? Just accept Jesus Christ as the son of God, just like Natalie and Caroline showed us today. Just receive him. Receive him as Lord and you will do what God made you to do. God is love, right? He is what kind of love? He is agape love, which means it's gift love. God is giving. He's constantly pouring out, sustaining the world by giving us himself. 24-7, he gives and he gives and he gives, all for our good and for his glory, which is one and the same. If only we would stop spinning our wheels trying to get the stuff that perishes and focus on, on obtaining the true food, the true drink that lasts for eternity by receiving God's grace, God's love, God's holy gift of life through the Spirit in us and give thanks and live a grateful life of praise in response. But of course the crowds aren't grasping this concept and now they try to test Jesus by getting him to do another magic trick. They just saw him the day before feed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fish, but now they want daily bread. They want daily miracle bread, not wonder bread, that's something else. They want miracle bread every day. Look at verse 30. So they say to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them from bread from heaven 
to eat. This is hilarious to me that they try to quote scripture to Jesus, the author of scripture, and of course they misquote it. Anybody ever heard people misquote things? Well, the Bible says the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. No, it doesn't. That's crazy. God gives me more than I can handle every day. I had to bring Isaiah and Jude by myself to church today. It was more than I could handle. <laughs> I need God's grace every minute of every day. That's not in scripture. These people are misquoting, they're, they're twisting scripture. Well, the Bible says Moses gave them bread to eat. No, it doesn't. It says that God gave them bread to eat. Look at Jesus' reply in verse 32. He says it gentlier than I would have. Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. God is the giver, not Moses. Moses was simply a mediator, a conduit of God's grace. God's the one who gave the manna in the wilderness, but more important than that, he's the one who now has given life to the world by sending his only son, the heavenly bread of life. That sounds awesome, right? So the crowd starts to say, that sounds great, we'll take that. Verse 34, they say to him, sir, give us this bread, always. That's right where Jesus wanted them. We have to have a hunger spiritually. We have to have an inner desire for the things that are better than this world before we can come to Christ in faith. Jesus wants to cultivate that hunger in us today. Some of you are saying, I'm hungry now. I'm talking about a spiritual hunger that grows and grows until we realize only Jesus will satisfy. So now he reveals in verse 35 that he is, in fact, that bread. There are seven major signs in these chapters between chapter two and chapter 11 that Jesus does that all point to the fact that he is the divine son of God. There's also seven I am sayings. I am the, the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says all these I am things, and here's the first one of, of those seven in chapter six. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I was talking with Ed Fulcher, I didn't even think about this, but as he was coming in this morning talking about how in, in later verses, verse 44, it says that no one comes to me unless the Father draws them to me. No one comes to me except those that the Father gives to me. But then he says here, he who comes to me. There's, there's this really cool thing happening with both God's sovereign, perfect will and our free choice, both working together in a miraculously beautiful way. He who comes to Christ he who shows up at Christ's door will never, never be hungry and never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. He himself is the bread of life. What does that mean? First off, I think it's fascinating that the, the Messiah was prophesied in Micah 5.2 to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Beit Lehem. Lehem is bread. Beit is house house of bread. He would be the bread of life, the bread for the world that comes from God's house of bread. Isn't that interesting? Bread's a humble food. It's a, it's a common food, the most basic food. 
Jesus came in the most common way, in a way that we could understand and relate to. He put on flesh, not considering equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and took on the form of a human and being found in human likeness, he became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. The manna from heaven in the Old Testament fell on all the Israelite camp, about two million maybe Israelites in the wilderness. It fell on everyone equally. It was pure, it says it was white as snow. It was accessible to all. All they had to do was walk out of their tent in the morning and there it was. It could either be gathered and, and, and made into bread and eaten with gratitude or it could be trampled with remorse and bitterness. Manna again. Sick of this man. Some people receive Christ into their hearts with joy and with gratitude, like Caroline, like Natalie. Others reject him completely, shunning the, the grace and the love that he freely offers them that only he can give them. But more than, than all these things about bread, bread provides sustenance, bread satisfies and satiates our hunger. You know, Morgan and I have tried the, the Whole30 diet. Uh, some of y'all have heard of that before. We did it on two separate occasions. She was more successful. I, I tended to cheat a little bit. I just can't get full without bread. The Whole30 is like basically no dairy, no sugar, and no grains, no rice, no corn, no bread, which means I was just hungry for about a month, basically. <laughs> I, without those complex carbs that come through bread, I just couldn't feel full. I didn't have the energy to exercise or, or really do anything else without bread. Bread can satisfy us in a way that very few foods can. If that's true with our physical hunger, how much more important is the bread of life to satiate our spiritual hunger? God longs for us to be fully satisfied, and he's made a way for that to happen. Again, the, the problem is that we, we're like that kid that C.S. Lewis talks about who's in the slums, and he's content to settle and make mud pies in the slums because he has no idea what a holiday at the beach actually looks like or how great it can be. And he just settles for a lesser joy, a lesser pleasure, an infinitely lesser unsatisfying pleasure. The kid's just trying to survive. We settle for things that don't really satisfy us so they can distract us for a while, so they might satiate us for a little bit. I know a lot of you here today may feel like you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just trying to get through the day each day. You're just trying to survive. But Jesus didn't come so that we could just survive. He didn't come so you could just make it to Friday. He came that we may live and have life to the fullest. I love how the Lord says to his people in Isaiah chapter 55, they're in exile again, and he says, come to me, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. 
Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Our souls are dead in our sins and trespasses until God raises them like he raised Natalie and Caroline out of the water. So too he wants to raise our souls to live, not just survive. So there's two clear options presented in this passage by Jesus. The, the bread of life on the one hand and the, the bread of survival. The, the manna in the wilderness was just enough to sustain God's people each day, to, to make sure they didn't die of hunger in the wilderness. It got pretty old eating that bread every day. There are some hilarious verses, Numbers 21, verse four, the people say, we have no food out here, God, and we detest this tasteless food. They say, we have no food. We have this food, but it's gross. <laughs> they got sick of it. The bread of survival doesn't satisfy. It's not exciting. It's not rich food that God wants to give us. Look at verse 48 again here, chapter six. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He repeats that again. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. It doesn't give them eternal life. It got them through the day. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What a great Eucharistic picture of Jesus holding up the bread at the Last Supper and breaking it, saying, this is my body broken for you. That, that bread in the wilderness is just enough to keep them alive for a day but the bread of life will keep you alive forever. Bread of survival comes from this earth, but the bread of life comes from heaven, where all life comes from. That's the first point on here, that bread of survival is earthly. It comes up from the ground. But bread of life, again, is from heaven, where all life comes from. Life was spoken into existence from heaven. Look at verse 33 again. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. True meaning, a, a deeper fundamental reality comes from heaven and moves downward. It doesn't come up from the earth. The bread of life is the true bread from heaven. The bread of survival is just up from the earth. The second difference here is that the bread of survival is earned. It comes up from the ground, but by the sweat of our brow, we have to toil and labor to produce food from it as part of the fall. Genesis 3, God said, because sin entered the world, your work is not going to be fulfilling. You're going to have to eat by the sweat of your brow, by toil and labor. I'm not a farmer. I don't grow any of my own food, but I still have to work in order to put food on my family's table. And people say, oh, if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> work is work. Work is work. In heaven, we're going to have work, and it's going to be like your best day at work, where you're totally fulfilled and satisfied. But until then, we toil and we labor to eat. That won't be the case in heaven. The bread of survival is earned. It's, you have to, to work for it, but the bread of life is freely given. 
It's not about doing anything to obtain it. It's about simply believing in your heart that Jesus Christ can do what he says he can do, that he can make you whole, that he can make you right with God, justification, sanctification by following him, and eventually glorification as we rise like him. Our baptism is a symbol of that resurrection. Third, the bread of survival is only temporary. It perishes. I've thrown out moldy bread that I've found in the back of our pantry on several occasions. The bread of survival only lasts for a little while, but the bread of life satisfies forever, for eternity, conquers death. It's eternal. It'll never fade or spoil. The scepter will never, ever depart from the one who sits on the throne of the new kingdom. Fourth, the bread of survival was mediated through Moses, God's prophet, who was appointed to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And of course, Moses died. And a few generations later, the the Israelite people would once again find themselves being carried off into exile as slaves in Babylon. But the bread of life is given through Jesus Christ, God's own son, who was sent to lead us out of bondage forever. Of his reign, there will be no end. He's the perfect mediator of the new covenant. Of course, fifth, the bread of survival is a gift of God's grace. Jesus said it wasn't Moses who gave it. It was a gracious gift of God who sustained two million people in the desert for 40 years. The Israelites did not deserve to be miraculously sustained. They didn't earn that bread. They were whiny and rebellious. They they wanted to go back to Egypt where they had fish and melons, they say, and fruit. They were slaves and property, but they had fish. (laughs) Sending daily bread to them was an act of pure grace, and the same is true for the bread of life. The bread of life is also a gracious gift, a vastly superior gift, but it comes through grace and is received through faith. Jesus Christ was given for us while we were still sinners. Sixth, the bread of survival came from the Father, not Moses. Just like we said, God is the giver of all good gifts, should be acknowledged as such. And the same is true of the bread of life. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It's all grace from God the Father. Next, the bread of survival is dead. You have to make bread, Scott can tell you, from grain that's been harvested and cut off from the earth. It is dead. But the bread of life is living. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Only living bread can give life eternally. Next, the bread of survival doesn't satisfy us. It may satiate our hunger for a temporary time, but it doesn't fill our belly forever. It only leads to more hunger eventually. The bread of life satisfies deeply. It fills the God-shaped hole in our hearts that nothing else can fill besides the Lord. The life that God gives us is one that is overflowing and abundant and ultimately satisfying. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger or thirst again. Finally, and perhaps most important here, the bread of survival is is physical. 
that represents this earthly plane, what we can see and touch and taste and smell. But the bread of life is received spiritually. It's the life that Jesus came to give us. And it's a spiritual reality that is actually more real than anything else in this life that we can touch. It's a deeper level of reality. So are you settling today for some enriched white bread? You may say, I like white bread. That's gross. <laughs> it's objectively gross. It's a dollar. It has all kinds of chemicals in it. Read the back of the ingredient list. It's terrible for you and it will not satisfy. I'd rather have the peanut butter and jelly in a spoon than put it on that stuff. Or are you accepting the free gift of artisanal, herbed, potato-flaked, non-GMO, perfect, fresh bread that satisfies richly that Jesus Christ came to give us? Do you long for the bread of life that comes into your life and never spoils, never fades, and satisfies you in a way that nothing else can? All we have to do to receive the free gift of that bread is to believe in our hearts that Jesus can do that. To fully believe through faith. It's a spiritual endeavor. Guys, if we're gonna become the kind of church that God wants to make Woodmont into being, we have to be spiritual people. People who pray, people who are moved by the Spirit in worship, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, people who find the satiating power of God's word, the richness of the text and the truth that God gives. If we're not spiritual people, we cannot follow the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a potential search team member for the search that will be presented to the deacons tonight, the, the search team for our minister of music and worship. And then it'll be presented church-wide on Wednesday night at our business meeting. And she said, Nathan, this is so important. We have to listen so carefully to the Spirit. She said, we have to follow the Spirit's lead on this. I said, absolutely. I said, this is why you're really good for this team. Because you're a spiritual person. You're not looking at the facts and the numbers. You, you want to follow the Spirit's lead on this. We have to become a spiritual people. If you are missing the conference this weekend due to some other uh, arrangement, I understand, but you are missing out on a rich time with Don Whitney, and more importantly, a rich time with the Lord God. We're gonna learn how to dive deep into meditation, into fasting, into worship, into Bible reading, devotionally, into praying a rich and deeper prayer life. It's only $10, today's the last day to, to register, I really encourage you to go home and, or get your phone out right now or come see me or Lil or someone and tell us that you want to register for the conference. It's $10, Friday night, Saturday morning only. It will be time well spent learning how to receive the bread of life that ultimately satisfies. Let's pray. Lord God, we tend to go through this life spinning our wheels for that which perishes. We all tend to think about where am I gonna eat lunch? How am I gonna pay my bills? What kind of car am I gonna drive? Just earthly things that don't matter in the end. God, I pray that you would help us to be like the great evangelist C.H. Studd who said, 
Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I pray that we would give up on spinning our wheels for stuff that perishes and seek after the stuff that will not spoil or fade. That we would see passion in our lives for you fanned into flame to, to make your glory known, to tell others about you, to share our, our wonder and delight in you with the world that desperately needs it. A world that is settling for the bread of survival. God, I pray that you would give us a taste of the bread of life to, in a fresh way today that only creates more realization that only you will satisfy us. God, I thank you for the spiritual people in our church who are raising children in spiritual ways. I thank you for the legacy of, um, of the Loves and the Rogers who are here today who have raised their children in a spiritual household of faith. Teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. Teach us to be spiritual people. Lord God, we love you. We pray this in your high and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Maybe today you're here and you realize that you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized like Natalie and Caroline did uh, today. I'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. Maybe you just want to come up here and pray with somebody. Trey, I'll ask you to come up. Jane, if you'll come up, you want to pray with one of these two ladies here, they'll be here to pray with you during this time. Maybe, oh, there's Brad. Come on up, Brad. You're not playing in the band. Okay. Uh, if you just want to come to the altar and kneel and pray too, it'll be open. Maybe you want to join Woodmont Baptist Church. Maybe you just came for Easter and now you're back. I know we have a lot of guests here. And maybe you say, it's time for me to plug in and join this family of faith and be a part of what God's doing here. We're not a perfect family of faith, but you're not perfect either. And we invite you to come walk this journey with us as we pursue Christ and what his will is for our church in Green Hills and beyond. Maybe today you've never surrendered all to Jesus and you realize it's time to give yourself over to him as Lord, that you're ready to confess him as Lord like Caroline and Natalie did today, saying he's in charge. I want the bread that he gives that only he can provide. If you want to talk to me about that too, I'll be here to receive you. Whatever it is that you need to do today, maybe you need a fresh taste of the bread of life and you just want to experience him. Let's lay down our worldly ways and surrender to him in a whole new way today. Let's stand and sing, I surrender all.